been an outpouring of love for Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins, who's died. What a song. It's amazing, isn't it? A toxicology report has revealed Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins had multiple types of substances in his system at the time of death. Fellow musicians and rock fans around the world took to social media to pay tribute. Forever missed, said Guns N' Roses. Ozzy said Ozzy Osbourne. Taylor Hawkins was a truly great person and an amazing musician my heart love and my condolences go out to his wife his children his family his band and his fans see you on the other side ozzy says ozzy so i thought i'd just leave this song here and what a song it is scotty yeah what a tune brings back the uh the late 90s doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it sarah yes it does i agree Mm. So, yep, there you have it. I, I, I'm just trying to rip my brains. Uh, the Foo Fighters, they played. Is it myth? Am I dreaming? Did the Foo Fighters play at a really small gig in Auckland uh, back in the early 2000s? Three or four hundred people. 2101. And if so, did you go? What a band, what a song. And uh, yes, indeed, uh, the Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins has uh, died. Uh, big response regarding um, regarding uh, your letters to a prospective employer not hearing back. Kia says, many years ago in Switzerland, I received a rejection letter uh, for a waiting position in five different languages. One sentence, that was it. Uh, but quite a few people were saying, hey, I can't respond to all these emails. We're a small organization seeking an administrator to help us with an influx of emails. We can't respond to a hundred plus applicants. Another one says, oh my goodness, Wallace, I recently did get close to 200 applicants for a job recently and I could not manage the influx. I'm a very small business. It was so stressful. Uh, Another one here, I applied for a job, got a call from the HR person for a pre-interview screening call, then nothing, nada. I even called her back and left a courteous voicemail. Still nothing uh, three months later. Thanks for your company. Uh, you can email me, the panel at rnz.co.nz. You can text me, uh, 2101. Uh, and Coda has just won the best picture at the Oscars. We talk Oscars uh, very, very shortly. To this, though... A memorial called Te Pairinga Atata Sky Song will commemorate the 237 passengers and 20 crew who died when an Air New Zealand flight crashed into Antarctica's Mount Erebus in 1979. It is planned for the Parnell Rose Gardens, but opposition has seen a small occupation of the site for several months, evicted in November. Well, today, the Chief Ombudsman has found the Ministry of Culture and Heritage acted 
unreasonably in a public consultation over this planned memorial. To discuss is Ngāti Whātu Ōrāke, uh, Deputy Chair Ngāring Blair, uh, and Ngāti Whātu Ōrāke is mana whenua of the area. Ngāri Mukiora, welcome to the panel. Kia Wallace, tēnā koutou. What a long-running saga this has been. What do you make of the Chief Ombudsman's announcement this afternoon? I'm oh, sorry, this morning. Uh, yeah, so I think the report points out that there could have been better consultation in terms of where a memorial may have gone uh, in the country and where it could have gone in the wider Auckland region. Um, but uh, it's our understanding that... Um, the consultation is sufficient in terms of the Parnell site, we call Tauradua, uh, and the occupiers wrongly call Mataharehare. Um, their GPS and Google Maps is a bit, well, cultural Google Maps is a bit out. Um, that uh, that site uh, is, uh, the consultation was fine. They consulted with the right people, and that's us. And we are okay. We are happy and comfortable with the memorial and honoured, actually, uh, to have it uh, in our rohe, uh, not far from our marae, and on one of our uh, remnants of one of our old, very special par sites. All right, so yes, uh, and what I didn't say there is that despite the lack of consultation, the Ministry's preference for this area, the, the Rose Gardens area, Parnell, was not wrong, uh, Peter Bosch has said, and we have uh, Scott and Sarah with us. Sarah uh, knows a bit about the kaupapa, but look, the Ombudsman's view, uh, Ngārimu, was that the Ministry should have consulted the wider local community and all Tamaki Makoto iwi comprising the mana whenua before forming a preference for any site in Auckland. What are you saying that you did? Yeah, we, we met with the ombudsman. Um, our strong position is that there is only one iwi in mana whenua in Ahika iwi in central Auckland, and that's us. Um, and um, Although the Ombudsman is saying there should have been wider consultation over a number of options before it was narrowed down to the Parnell site, uh, we said we're okay with that. We're happy with the site. Um, and in fact, we have, we're pretty busy iwi. We have very limited resources compared to government and council. Uh, and that we were only consulted over one site is actually a bit of a blessing for us. Um, we have quite a lot to do then assess lots of options and different sites and go to many meetings over this. So um, uh, where we ended up, uh, we're, we're comfortable with uh, our remnant pa, Tauradua, being honoured to have this uh, memorial uh, put on it. All right, kia ora, Well, let's bring Sarah Sparks in. Of course, Sarah has been uh, working uh, in this issue for a couple of years now. Sarah, uh, how do you come back on this? Kia ora. Well, it's not so much about the where... It's actually taking it up a level. It's about the how. So the whole purpose of the government watchdog, the, the ombudsman doing a report, is he's actually identified that it was, it was a deficient process. So, it, you know, a, a whare built on faulty foundations will collapse. So it, it, it's, it, it actually takes it right to that point. And so... It, what needs to happen is for the community grievance to be healed. And, you know, I, I believe that a um, mediation would, would, 
work really well and serve this. There's so I, much. I, I actually, I actually want to be really clear. I want to put. Uh, I want to get all the cars on the table here, Sarah. What would you like to see happen here? Would you like to see the Erebus Memorial somewhere else? I believe that it would be better served elsewhere, but that is for the people to determine. And that's pointing it back to the process again. There are issues galore with the current site with regards to impact, the design of the memorial, the impact on the RACO. Um, and so because of all of that, it's a quagmire. So it would be better for it to go back to the drawing board and have proper fulsome consultation with the community for voices to be heard because they weren't all heard as and part of this process. And, you know, with the greatest of respect, Mana Whenua were told that this would, would be the site. So, you know, even the site selection was determined by the government agency. How would you respond? So it goes back to the process, the how, not not the where. All right. So you'd prefer to see it somewhere else. Now, Remu, uh, Sarah, they're saying, look, there are actually, uh, they were told about the site, not consulted. And actually, there are still uh, issues manifest within the actual design. Yeah, as I said, we, we uh, said to the ombudsman, we were... Um, actually happy that we were only consulted over one site instead of going through a very lengthy process over a number of sites. And the outcome is this site is appropriate on um, cultural terms. Um, the how so, how so explain that? We have, well, we are the iwi. We're the descended from the people who uh, lived on that pa, who controlled it up until we gifted it um, to Hobson uh, to settle uh, here in, in Auckland. Um, we are happy. We are okay with the site. And as far as we're concerned, there's no reason why it can't go ahead um, and people can't use a cultural argument uh, to try to stop it because at the end of the day, uh, we are the Iwi Ngāti Whātuwarake, the descendants of Tupiriri, uh, represented by our trust and our tomata kaumātua. Um So we're not really interested in the, the, the process and the uh, goings over of that. That's for others to worry about. As far as we're concerned, this, the site is, is appropriate and the tree will not be harmed. We've been given assurances of that, um, and we don't see any reason why anybody should hold it up any longer. This is the this is the Pahutukawa. It's, it's been a central uh, uh, peg in this uh, theme, Ngārimu. Oh, it is, and um, there's a lot of misinformation that's been spread uh, that the tree would be destroyed, um, harmed. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stay. Oh, of course it is, and uh, we wouldn't approve the project if it was going to be harmed. All right, well, let's bring Scott Cannell, Scamble, into this. Yeah, tēnā te parata. Um, just, a, I guess, a, a, a question. You talked about the site being an appropriate place, and, and some of the criticisms or the confusion has been around the connection of the site to Erebus and this as a memorial site. What You, you talk about being honoured uh, for it to, to be there. What's the connection, and, and, uh, and, and I guess why are you so confident about it being on the site? Well, when we uh, gifted uh, Central Auckland to Hobson, it was to establish, uh, you know, a, a joint endeavour between our people and those who would come through uh, the treaty. Um, and in our culture, that also uh, demands of us um, manakitanga, looking after others uh, and helping others, and in this case, helping others through their grief. Um, so, um, you know, there, there is a connection in that there are people 
uh, connected to that disaster, who are Aucklanders, who are New Zealanders, who, you know, uh, probably the flight took off from from Auckland. Um, and so, you know, and we have memorials all over our city uh, commemorating all sorts of things that happened all around the world even. Um, and we see that it has, as our role as tangata whenua to provide these types of spaces and places uh, for all parts of our community, um, you know, to reflect on, on where they've come from and, and, uh, and their cultures as well. All right, kia ora Ngāniwe. Thank you very much for being with us on the panel. Uh, that is the uh, Deputy Chair uh, of Ngāti Whātua Ōrāke. So, uh, final, just briefly, final thought of you, Sarah, is this is not over. No, I, I'm living in hope that there will be mediation between affected parties. Otherwise, there, this will not, the grievance will not go away and, and it needs to be healed. Okay. Definitely. It is, uh, it's 13 away from five. Briefly to this, what sort of tourists do we want back in the country as our borders, borders are opening up? Is it time for somewhat of a rethink of who we would like to see here? For example, do we want those 20 buck day tourists back or just the higher paying ones? Uh, a report by the Parliamentary Commission for the Environment called Not 100% said the business as usual growth had the risk to undermine the very thing we market, the quality of our natural environment. But Sam Sutton, I reckon he thinks otherwise. He's the Rotorua Rafting Director. Sam, kia ora. Welcome. Kia ora. Uh, thanks. thanks for having me. Pleasure. Who would you like to see back? Well, I mean, uh, I think it is good for the environment to have uh, the higher-paying ticket item um, coming through. It means less volume, less um, pressure on current infrastructure, etc., etc. Um, I don't think I think it's good that we advertise for these people. But at the end of the day, we also um, the twenty-dollar. A day ticket item is also somebody that's normally here on a working holiday visa, um, in my opinion, and they are still experiencing different tourism activities that are maybe targeted more towards the younger demographic, um, and but they're also vital for business continuity in other sectors, you know. Um, we're constantly getting um, bombarded with calls from different kiwi fruit packing houses asking if we have any staff. Um, for those roles that would have been filled by these $20 a day ticket items, you know. So I think New Zealand's also in a position where um, we're very expensive in terms of a destination not only to get to, but also, you know, it's the topic of the month at the moment with inflation costs, the cost of living. Um, We just recently had friends from Norway, which is one of the most expensive countries on the planet, and they were struggling with the price of everything here. So I think we're naturally going to... Entice customers that are that tourists that have have some money, you know. Okay, all right. So don't discount the twenty buck day tourists, and they also come to to work here. Um, uh, but we also need a, a, a rethink of the tourist type. Sarah Sparks, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. Actually, I studied tourism and uh, as a co joint oh, degree way back when <laughs> I did, and um, and also my hapu Natsutama uh, has had some issues with these freedom campers pitching up and mm. parking near our wahitapu. So you know, for me, it's about attracting the calibre of tourists who respect our kaitiakitanga uh, and the holder of our 
whenua. So I, I've seen that the minister's proposing, well, there's been some kōrero around levies and bed taxes, which I support, uh, because there does need to be an exchange. You know, we can't have freeloaders in the system. So I'm really hoping that there's some good strategic thought put into the tourism strategy for the sake of the whole sector. And that, again, voices in the sector are listened to when that strategy is put together, because that's got to be vital. Bro, stay there, Sam. Let's bring Scott Campbell in uh, to this, uh, Scott. Yeah, I think we need to be a little bit careful, though, don't we? What's that saying about bite your nose to spot your face or mm. something along those lines? And, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers, etc. We We want people to come back to the country, right? Isn't that we've, we've missed out on billions of dollars over the last couple of years? Yeah, but Scott, we almost coming. had nearly 4 million visitors arrive here between Jan December 2018 and many, 110 of those were freedom campers. You saw some of the damage that uh, evaded and pe- people in the regions, the provinces would uh, attest to that. Isn't that just way too many? Well, I think that's a different. That's part of a conversation which goes into how do we look after those areas when they're here. I think, you know, we also have to remember that Kiwis can be just as bad at times as looking after our whenua uh, and the likes. I think the freedom campers and that—that's how we clamp down on that and make sure that we are um, taking care on it. But I think, you know, we also send off, or we're about to probably again send off a whole bunch of Kiwis to places in Europe who will probably have twenty dollars in their bank account as well. So. I think for me, it's more around that. How do we ensure that when, yes, if we want to attract the high-end market, awesome. But we also can't do that at the expense of other parts of the economy. And I think that's the one around the the workers and making sure we still have people who come. I want tourists Aotearoa pay on entry at least $100 per person. 150 family of four, no doubt, says uh, one texter. Sam, good idea. Uh, yeah, I think that is a, I mean, the the problem I have with that is it leaves a bitter taste of Aotearoa from the very first time you step off the plane. Like, it's just a natural bitter taste um, when they uh, put that tax in just prior to uh, COVID coming out. I already had um, disgruntled clients, basically. I mean, if we're priding ourselves on a manakitanga, we're not doing a very good job at that from the start, in my opinion, with that tax. I think it just needs to be done in a separate form. With the freedom camping, I agree, but I also clean a lot of the dock toilets in the Orkiri region, and um, I also find uh, human waste on the middle of the track, and I haven't seen a tourist for a couple of years, so okay. I think it's also local issues. Fair um, enough. I do, and I think that there's, there's scope to have... Um, Businesses that benefit from the freedom campers should be responsible for taking care of those freedom camping areas. I mean, it's benefit for, say, a business that attracts freedom campers to be paying for an area for them and using, um, having some signage in return for, for us, um, basically being kaitiaki of that park. Great uh, to have you on, Sam. Kia ora. Thank you very much for your time. That is Sam Sutton there, the Rotorua Crafting Director, and someone says here, Wallace, our tourism industry does not exist without the backpackers, uh, says George. It just doesn't exist. So mm, quite, quite a response to that. We may well uh, come back to, to that issue. But I want to get into the Oscars. The 94th Academy Awards. It's Oscars Day. 
And let's go straight to Kate Roger, who is News Hub's entertainment editor. She's been following the winners all day. Kate, Kate, whoops. No, Kate, are you there? No, not there. We'll get her back. I just want to go around the panel on this first and say uh, the power of the dog by Jane Campion. Um, have you seen it, Sarah? I haven't, but I was reading a story about it in the latest Woman magazine that was talking about why her films are socially relevant. That really struck me. And they said that it's how she elevates the oddball, the outsider, Mm. and challenges hopes and fears about belonging and unbelonging. And I thought that's so true. Very good. Kate, kia ora. Kia ora. How are you guys? Very well. Tell us the big news. Tell us. Do you want the king hit or do you want the champion win? I want the champion win. We're very, very thrilled that Dane Campion has become the third woman in Oscars history to win Best Director. Isn't it insane? 94th Oscars and only three women have ever won Best Director. So absolutely stoked. Uh, Kate? Yes? Is it a good film? Have you seen it? No. Have you, Scott? No, I haven't. So no, no I haven't, but no, no, thanks, Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kate, we're blind here. None of us have seen it. I want to know because I'm a huge, I'm a huge Jane Campion fan of um, the, the, the piano, but also the one about, um, gosh, it's yeah, slipped uh, slip my mind. Uh, 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 an angel on the table. Lady? Oh, yes, of course. And yeah, you've got Frank, yeah, and the Top of the Lake um, series that she's done when it comes to television. I love it. And I'm even one of these weird people that loved uh, Meg Ryan um, and the Hulk in, in the cut. Uh, yes. This is one of those films, and in fact, the hosts this year, Wanda Sykes, Regina Hall, and um, Amy Schumer did a whole thing in their monologue at the beginning of the Oscars, joking about the fact that they've tried to watch the, uh, watch the Power of the Dogs three times and they're only halfway through. And it's the conversation I have with a lot of people where they say, oh, I started watching it and then I stopped and and maybe this is part of the whole streaming thing where you've no way that you'd pay 15 bucks and and walk out of a movie 10 minutes in would you so with streaming it's been really interesting because you need to sit down you need even to put noise cancelling headphones on and take the rest of the world away and just be completely and just brilliantly sucked into the story and its narrative look I'm a huge fan of the film I'm stoked she won best director for it Uh, and I just give it a couple of goes would you Good on you. Sarah, let's bring you in. Oscars, Os- Oscars buzz, you excited? Uh, not really. I'm excited about, da- uh, about Dame Jane winning and, and, and she's broken the, se- the glass ceiling, being the, the third. But um, no, I'm more an indie person and those films don't actually make the cut. Okay. Yes. All right, Scott. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm not really. Uh, hello, Kate Roger. Can you tell me though, was the <laughs> king hit? Was that scripted or just oh, great yes. television or not good? It was. Oh my lord, it was well, phenomenal. Kate, we watched. Yes. Stay right there. Hold that thought. Here it is. Jada, I love you. GI Jane too. Can't wait to see it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That was a nice one. Okay. 
I'm out here. Uh-oh. Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Wow, indeed, Kate. Amazing. So essentially what happened is Chris Rock, in fairness, made a pretty off-colour joke. Uh, Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, suffers from alopecia, and she shaved her head a couple of years ago. So it was a G.I. Jane joke about having a shaved head, and Will Smith did not take it lightly and went on stage. And we all thought it was a, a joke that he was kind of doing this set-up Oscars gig where he went up on stage and pretended to hit Chris Rock. But... He actually did, by all accounts, lightly hit him or slap him and then went back down and sat down and started yelling and swearing and telling Chris Rock uh, never to have his wife's name in his mouth with a couple of expletives that I won't introduce to your audience. And again, people are still wondering, is this really happening? The sound cut out on the ABC telecast and it's just all been quite dramatic. Good heavens above. Kia ora, Kate. Thank you for your time. And to both you, uh, Sarah Sparks, Scott Campbell, appreciate your time. Thank you. Back tomorrow. Till then.